Welcome to Aw Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Mark David Christensen, and Kate Thompson. Well, listeners, Kate is out one last week. She should be back next week. If everything goes as planned, Kate will return. I know you all want her back as much as I do. And once she gets back, we can get back to our regular programming, which we'll get right into the storm part two where we'll cover issues one and three of the storm with kate here to add all of her wonderful thoughts but for now we got another bonus episode for you where i'm hosting solo but on this episode i brought in a very good friend um from my past in utah i say from my past he's still a great friend right now in the present day um he's one of my favorite um comic book people to talk to his encyclopedia brain for Marvel Universe is wonderful. His passion for Valiant Comics. It's all there. He has great thoughts. Enough of my rambling. Let's get right to this uh, week's episode. Subject matter, which is Ghost Hellboy Crossover. Enjoy. Okay, listeners. Uh, we got my guest here. Um, this is a good friend back from where I was born and raised in Utah. My good friend, Josh Rathman. Rathbun, I rarely say your last name, so it comes out of my mouth weird because I call you Spidey. I was introduced to you as Spidey from our friend Justin. So having to do a podcast, but then get your dude right down and look at your name and then say it out loud is so weird. How you doing, Spidey? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. I'm very excited to be here. And uh, yeah, you know, it's weird that like at 45 in my life, I'm still called Spidey by a great many people, even with social media showing my name everywhere. We met through, of course, just mutual friends because of uh, music scene as well. Uh, I think primarily music scene probably in Salt Lake. I think a lot of it had to do with film, though, too, because you were a, a person who was trying to do a lot of film stuff. You were doing a lot of writing. Mm-hmm. We had just like that we had a lot of similar but we have a we have a, a big uh shared friends group yes hugely yes yeah, really big you know and so i feel like you know with some of those people you just have to become their friend i'm friends with any of those people i have to be friends with dave heck yeah well our friendship has been easy to keep up we have mutual interests you're like the second person i know friend wise who i was like oh they're in the comic books they've been in comic books longer than me and i consider you to have like uh, a nearly close to encyclopedic memory and like you just remember a lot and you store a lot of knowledge about at least most classic comic books you have a, a vast knowledge of is that true can i say can we say that's true uh, a little <laughs> bit like i i grew up really much like the marble encyclopedia person that's it like to the point of being like annoying <laughs> and i don't mind you know i don't care anything so it's like that was always my thing. And then from there, like I, I was like, I was a nineties kid who bought comics and that was the first time I got to go to comic book shops and I became a Valiant fan. So like Valiant comics, I know a lot about, I know a lot about Usagi Ojimbo. <laughs> I know a bit about like GI Joe too. Like I just have like really weird tastes. Not everything is similar. So like if I was going to read a Spider-Man book, I wouldn't buy every Spider-Man book. I wouldn't buy every Superman book, but like I'd be like, buy like one book and that's good enough. Now my tastes in comics are just kind of spread out in a really weird way. I feel like a lot of it goes back to like what I liked as a kid, I would oh, say. Oh, that's great. What were the classic things as a kid that you've returned to that you you still love to this day? Well, when I was growing up, when I was first going to, sh- to the shops, looks like Usagi Ojimbo. And at mm-hmm. the time it was published by Dark Horse and I would just buy an issue here and there. 
my first writing job actually was for an old, old Salt Lake magazine called The Grid. It actually went defunct before I could even put my first review out. <laughs> but I got a box of books from Dark Horse back then. And it was books like Usagi Yojimbo and Dirty Pair and lots of anime stuff. Those were my first forays into those kind of books. But Usagi Yojimbo was the one that stuck. Transformers, I'll, I'll check it out. My son likes that stuff. So I'm like, okay, like what's going on with it? G.I. Joe, I just have all the issues. It's not even nearly <laughs> it's not about like, oh, I just love what's going on with Snake Eyes this issue. It's kind of like, God, I've got number one and I've got everyone. It's just like a habit. I'm really hoping that when, I'm not hoping that IDW loses all their licenses to G.I. Joe, but when they do, I really hope Larry Hammer will go somewhere else so I can stop collecting it. Oh, okay. Do you think they'll do a better job than IDW or you just want it to I think it would just, I think like uh, with a book like that, if someone else took it over, they would just make it totally different and they'd just put some terrible writer on it. (laughs) I get it. Go dig up Jason Aaron and see what he's going to crap out all over it, you know? So. <laughs> this is part of why I brought you on is is I love your opinions of comics. You never hide and you're never shy of sharing your opinions, which I love. Mm-hmm. I'm not. When did you did you, have you read how much of the Hellboy world have you read? Have you or maybe little or not? I've read quite a bit of it. So I I have I had the first appearance from Next Men or the first color appearance. Oh, cool. I sold that because I thought I would buy a, a higher grade book. Because it was, it was one of the very few books I ever got graded. Then I decided I didn't ever want to buy another graded book ever again. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of like, okay, I'm going to buy another copy someday. I just haven't done it yet. It's not it's not going anywhere. It's not terribly expensive. But I had read a lot of the early stuff. I've got the first couple omnibus of Hellboy's stories. I've got all of Plague of Frogs. I've got the Weird Tales book. I've got the two issues, oddly enough, of Ghost and Hellboy. <laughs> Yeah, oddly enough, I think that's very funny. I've got a couple just random one shots. I've got the Beast of Burdens one shot with Hellboy, the first Ape Sapien one shot. I mean, I've got a, some stuff. Whenever these books became available as a reviewer, I always reviewed them. So I've read. Oh, cool. Were you always? Did you get into Hellboy though, just as a fan or as as a reviewer? When did you do? Have you liked Hellboy from the beginning when Mignola created him? Not necessarily, because when I I felt like when I was reading Next Men, John Burns next men mm-hmm. i didn't really like it very much like the mm-hmm. book i mean those, those books were purchased at a time when comic shops were like just struggling to sell books and the, the print runs were huge on everything you know we're talking probably like 95 96 so i'm just buying tons and tons of books for like a dime each i think i had like the full run of, of next men i don't recommend it but the hellboy book was cool and uh you know i just bought a lot of crap there's the famous drawing that you know every so years on a Hellboy anniversary gets released of like his original sketch that he did at a comic con Mike Mignola of Hellboy with like this like sort of a silly thing he was like throwing away I I, I forgot to look this up but I'm pretty sure it happened at a Salt Lake City comic con there is something like that yes like there was there I don't know what kind of convention it was here Yes, at the time. And I want to say Magnolia had a little bit of a connection with um, Nightflight Comics, which if you're from here, you're very familiar with it, whether you liked it or not. I didn't. <laughs> what was your comic book shop? Because Night Flight was where me and my brother went because our mother would take us to Cottonwood Mall and that's where we would escape to. So originally for me, my, and this wasn't even close to my house, but my first 
shop was Comics Utah on 35th South, and it was next door to Starbound Records. Going to the comic shop also meant going to the record shop. It was an awesome experience. I think when I was in like the 10th grade, and I was super shy. This is weird because you know me pretty well. You are shy. I say a lot of things because I don't care. <laughs> but I, yeah, really shy 10, 10th grader. And I remember like I had some people who were like, let's go to the comics you talk. And I'd never been there. And it like blew my mind. But then I was like, oh, drop me off at the house in front of my house because I was like, I don't want you to know where I live. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I, was like, I was a really weird teenager, if you could believe that. I could believe it. Oh, I feel like all of our group of friends, if we like went back and looked at us at our teen days, I think all of us would have had there's something weird about all of us. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that always kind of stood out to me about Hellboy, not not to knock on this or anyway, in any way, I don't think it does necessarily, but I always really appreciated Mignola once he left Marvel. I had read books like X-Force and things like that that he worked on, and I always just thought they looked terrible. Not that like Rob Liefeld's work looked any better. It didn't. I just felt like, like man, they put him on like X-Force or like some weird book, you know, here and there. I'd be like, this guy's style just doesn't fit. And then I think seeing his covers on Hellboy, like when he started doing those, those stories, he really put his art in a world that was perfectly suited for how he illustrates. So to me, like, I always just felt like, oh, that, yeah, that guy found like the right work to illustrate his, his work, you know, like to, to illustrate what he wants to do in comics. Totally. I always thought it was a huge, kind of a big appeal to me with why I like Hellboy. That, that's a great thing to call out because I still think, I mean, I, I still read Marvel comics this, to this day, but there can be a thing where even if you like a writer or an, even an artist, sometimes I can pick up, a. am not going to say any names, but there are current books that I've picked up just because I was curious, but I'll pick them up and I'm like, oh, the writing just feels like so Marvel generic, you know, that I quickly get bored. So it is like nice when you pick up something for Hellboy, for example, back when it was first released or anything that's coming out now that's off that sort of beaten path or in the, in the factory at Marvel. So I totally agree. I think, I think you're right too, in general, that he did improve. I mean, I think he's improved his evolution as an artist is completely on the page for full display through the Hellboy storyline it's wild actually to see how much his style has changed over the years possibly him just even being begrudgingly like simple just because he doesn't want to sit down and draw for too long anymore it feels like <laughs> do you have any high like favorite storylines of hellboy that you still appreciate or characters that you that you are like oh i do love this character from um, Outside of Hellboy himself, of course. You know, I mean, I always liked Abe Sapien. I always thought Abe was cool. Not that they mix up a whole lot, but like Roger the Homunculus, I always thought was rad. Yes. Abe's probably my favorite non-Hellboy, like not Hellboy character. Very wise, though, that's kind of hard because like, I really like, I guess it sucks to say like, because it's like one of the first stories, but Seed of Destruction is so good. But then it's just like, oh, well, like that's like the first main story. Like, how do you just yeah. sit there and be like, that's your favorite, you know, but. I think there's always that kind of special connection when when you get to finally read like a good story of a, of a character, you know, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with someone picking up, say, like John Byrne's Fantastic Four and being like, oh, man, you know, my favorite one in the book is John Byrne's Fantastic Four, you know, like 800 issues of this book. And if you like that guy first, that's OK, you know, because it's good. It's also your first introduction to the characters. If you choose to go further into it, that's that's your starting point. Yeah. You know? 
that's your that's your your beacon right there. So like I like a lot of the stories. I can't think of any I don't like. You know, what I mean, like I even like like Little Hellboy. I have that in a box somewhere. Are you talking about like the newest the young little, Hellboy or like, like the Hellboy Junior, which was like the Red oh, version? Hellboy Junior is probably what I'm, I'm saying. You know, yeah. But, <laughs> but like yeah I've, i mean like i've got a lot of that stuff you know but i mean like even then i think like I, i've just i've liked i mean it's one of those things where like it's a good it's a great character because even if you like the first story i like most everything that's even associated with the character like i love bprd i haven't read all of it yet but i'm i'm, I'm trying to get the books as they've been coming out in the same format which presents problems because they've been selling out it's just one of those things though where i'm just like yeah i like the first story the most but like i like everything else too i would probably say like the wild hunt's really good too you know the one thing i always liked about bpr the bprd side was that i felt like a lot of different writers worked on the characters so it's kind of neat to see like say like jeff john's take on things or josh dysart i think like when it comes to like hellboy like i, I really do like what mcmillan does when he's the driver's seat yeah it's interesting because i think he has never majority that uh that i know off the top of my head it's all mignola when it's actually hellboy yeah i think think the stuff in weird tales i think there's some stuff in there that's not written by mignola yeah there's a lot of those since those are non they're non-canon but they're great yeah well i don't think this is in canon either no so that yeah that's a great it brings us to what we are why i asked you to come on this is a storyline that i've i just have a trade which is the masks and monsters which is batman starman ghost i have to ski you spidey to read oh and i get to talk about this one (laughs) yeah i did a shitty thing to you and i was like i'm gonna save kate the trouble of having to read this one that i've avoided forever and then I'm going to get a good friend that I know will do it, but also be like, sorry. Oh, I don't mind it. You know, one thing about me is I love to talk comics, man, whether they're good or bad. Yeah, exactly. We both read the two issue um, Ghost, um, Ghost Hellboy crossover. This was released on in May and June of 1996. It's written by Mike Mignola. It's illustrated by uh, Scott Benefil, Prenzler. Jason Rodriguez did the, is the inker. Colored by Pamela Rambo, lettered by Sean Kunat, edited by Scott Alley. I first, before we even get into the story, I don't know Ghost at all. Did you prior to this? Have you read oh, a Ghost? I did read Comics Greatest World. You know, I I probably never really had any positive takeaways from it. Other than I do think that like even back then, like in this era of the nineties. Because I mean, like, I think like when this is coming out, they had maybe just done the Comics Greatest World crossover at Dark Horse. I don't necessarily like any of those books. I think like the ex assassin dude was kind of cool. Like he's he's such a '90s character though. You know, he was cool, and Ghost had like some promise too. I think like, but like those are like the only two characters out of that whole thing that are really like even kind of interesting. And I think that once you take away Adam Hughes from Ghost, there's no interest there. Because like, as much as I hate to even like art where it's like a little bit cheesecake, <laughs> hell of a penciler, he makes her look pretty stunning, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm not just saying that because like she's a bit scantily clad, but he's just a good artist. Right. So like, I always feel like even if you don't like the story, you can always appreciate like a really good artist in their in their environment, you know? And, that's, and, and Ghost is kind of like, the perfect Adam Hughes book. It's not a great crossover. I have a, a little bit of knowledge of her. 
Um, she's definitely like the best thing that comes out of it though. That's good to hear. That's, it's very good to hear. Cause I, this, this book to me read, I'll be honest. I tried to start this before this podcast, before this, us recording this. I mean, we did a whole episode on the other storyline in here with Batman and Starman. And then I was like, Oh, I'll just read the other one just for, for kicks. And I'll be honest. I made it like a couple, I made it, I didn't even make it to the point where Hellboy showed up and I just got bored. And I, I was just like, I don't care. And I, so I kept just avoiding it. And it weirdly opens like a goon story, which I thought that's right. No, I, and I hadn't read this book in a very long time. I don't think I, I don't know if I own these issues. I think I might've had the special that combined both issues at one point, but like, I, I reread this this week and I was just like, oh man, like it's been a while since I've read this and <laughs> we're going to record this thing sometimes. So I'm going to read it. I just remember thinking like, after all the stuff that I've read, I was like, this this intro really comes off feeling like Eric Powell and not Magnola. Like just with all the like kooky crime dudes at the beginning of it. And like the one dude just goes haywire with the axe. The laughing guy, the guy that like straight up looks like a monkey. My first my first impressions of the art, like within that part of the story from the the guy getting his head chopped off to kind of like the the last bit of life that these these little um these crime dudes have you know i thought oh the art's not too bad you know for like a 90s book at that point right but it wasn't anything special i don't, I don't know if it's necessary. i mean like it could be that like magnolia just has like a whole drawer full of like hellboy stories that he's written that he's just like i'll get to it i'll get to it and he's like oh gotta get this one out of the way you know kind of felt like that a little bit with this one where it's like he wrote it and he's like oh okay fine Quit bugging me. I'll put this character in the book. Yeah, I agree. And also for me, it felt like in the initial read, I was like, and as for, by the end, even when I finished, finally finished it today, I was like, this feels like Dark Horse was like, uh, people like Hellboy, our numbers on Ghost aren't really working. Can we get our popular character to have a crossover so maybe we can have readers it like felt like a promotional story that was just about pushing to get more people on eyes on a, another comic book it felt very weird to me <laughs> i was like maybe this is unfair of me because i just remembered one thing like i think i think barbed wire comes out of comics Grace world and i hated it like <laughs> wretched but obviously they made a movie of that so maybe that was like the biggest hit of the whole thing but i think about that and i'm like oh what awful like you know anybody's just looking to make a book i think or a movie back in those days you know where like we didn't have a world full of like comic book media yes so it was like oh we can finally make one and we're gonna make not hellboy back then we're gonna make barbed wire like <laughs> well they were like we got pamela she's big and yeah. this character can looks like them okay let's do it <laughs> I mean, I don't even remember when that movie came out or that year. It was 90-something, so it definitely is like the beginnings of, I guess, comic book properties and limitations on special effects. So they're like, they probably were like, well, we can pull that one off. Yeah. If I remember correctly about Ghost, all of her stuff takes place in Arcadia. So like, this is definitely Hellboy going onto her turf, supposedly help her out. But that's not really explained very well, I didn't think. Not at all. It, she just shows up. I didn't understand what, I got confused by the timeline for a bit because I was like, I realized it was 1939 and I should have picked up on that by the time. But, but I was so in the thick of this opening scene of like, it's wild, but there was so already supernatural stuff happening and then everybody died. And then... 
they show up with the BPRD. And I was like, I assumed they were there for a, mo- for a moment, be- both Ghost and Hellboy were just f- tracking down the same thing. Like just happened to run into other that classic thing, you know, where like, oh, I'm on this trail and I'm on this trail, but they lead to the same point at the same time. But you're right. They were there to be like, I'm here to help you, ghost. And it was like, help her on what? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I do feel like this this Hellboy story has like a lot of like popular comic book tropes where like the two get the two stars are at odds and then they align. A lot of like the common Hellboy things were like. Out of nowhere, he just finds like a, an object that's gonna like fix everything. Like when he finds the bullet, you know, and he's just like, "This is you." The guy's like, "What?" Uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the biggest Hellboy trope is that he falls through floors very a lot, oh, yeah. and that yeah. happens in this. <laughs> yes. However, I will say this, and I and like I've, I've kind of bashed on Ghost a little bit, but one thing I, I do remember about Ghost is that she uses intangibility, perfect for a character that would have it where she just grabs objects and makes them intangible and then just solidifies them inside people. So like, there's a part where she puts like a stick inside of Hellboy's arm. And it's just like, people don't do that in comics. And I, and it's like, why wouldn't you, why doesn't the invisible woman just make invisible like objects appear in people's like heads and save the day? Yeah. Same with like, uh, it makes me think of like, uh pride K- kitty pride uh i'm like why don't you do that either like face shit into people i agree i think that was the coolest aspect and i, I want to say i have never read ghost this is my first iteration i i know she's like supposed to be scantily clad and it's she's sort of like a she has a very emma floss look to her but i dig it i think that i dig this like being able to put things into other objects it's just as soon as you throw these gut these two guns in her hands i'm like yeah we're in the 90s this just these this creator loved john woo movies <laughs> like i'm like okay <laughs> and, and honestly who didn't it's just so funny she feels like i mean this is such a like we've read the story now and it's like 2022 but like i always think about like the the dead cop in planetary mm-hmm. who's around he i think he's in hong kong and he's killing everyone with with two 45 in his hand and uh and it is like a such a like john woo thing yes. but like here i'm just like oh i've seen enough of this and i and i like those movies a lot like i love the killer and hard-boiled those are right up my alley and i love planetary <laughs> but like when i see her with them, i'm just like you could have done something different it, it feels like an accessory that's un. it feels like it's like you're throwing on a fad sort of accessory versus you already had something cool about your character we didn't need these it's similar to like i i quit it also to spawn which i think is laughable for how much i liked it growing up if like wait this character has all these supernatural powers but i guess it's because they're limited it's just like i guess he's gonna use guns (laughs) and a lot of them that look crazy (laughs) oh yeah you know and i and i laugh about that as i'm looking at my spawn compendium that i bought just like two months ago yeah. it's <laughs> i mean come on nostalgia is a real son of a bitch in comics sometimes yeah exactly but you know what the like mocking her i kind of think like man i wonder like if in a little bit of a way like an uh, like an intangible ghost gunman from planetary if he wasn't partially inspired just a little bit by her who knows it totally could be yeah I guess I'll ask Warren Ellis next time I see him. You know. There you go. When you sit down with him, he'll tell you. But I mean, overall, what this story is, okay, we show up after this crazy mob murder that happens that has a little confusing, mysterious, supernatural elements. 
with the mob guy bringing in like a, a psychic and then killing them, then we're just there to like ghost is after a killer uh, who killed somebody else, then runs into Hellboy for unknown reasons. They fall into where this old murder took place and then they're, they're both dragged into off of the plane of existence into some other world with this other figure who calls himself Peace. He looks pretty cool. His mask is like, his mask reminds me of like Zartaz. Or that old that old Sean Connery yep. movie? <laughs> uh, he would hold guns, but no, nothing that cool. <laughs> it's very yeah. The the whole like plotting against each other is just very funny. It's like it's a trope. You're right, like putting the the heroes against each other. It makes Ghost really like come off a little dumb. <laughs> like okay, I'll just believe you, and then I'll just start firing at this this Hellboy. That I know from a Times magazine, which is really funny. Yeah. You don't want to check your facts first, maybe? <laughs> I mean, the, the Hellboy moments, especially in the first issue, I think are a little bit stronger mm-hmm. because like him, like he does kind of stumble upon that that room that's been bricked off. And he, he finds the body in the bathtub and he's like, oh, he's like, you've been down here like maybe like 50 years or something, I think he says. You yeah. Know? And it's like, okay, like we do have like a little bit of a, of a point where like I guess this story would take place in like, 1989 i guess if that's the case you know yeah roughly i mean it could just be that he's off on his age but like he does figure that out and i remember ghost gets she gets tricked by peace where he's like the gauntlet the right hand of doom that's the key to like freeing you from like whatever it is that's ailing you you know and then i but i like the fact that you know what's kind of like not very common is that at the very like near end of the book? He's like, I was lying to you. I wasn't being honest at all, or something like that. Like he's so matter of fact to her. It's just like, oh, she didn't just make her seem like such a mark in the story, you know, and like not intelligent to it. Yeah, I, I agree. I just wanted her to be a little like sharper because it, it feels like we're meeting two detectives that might just work together. Well, and I feel that Hellboy is the pop, the more popular character. So like, you're trying to sell me on her. It doesn't work if you're like, well, she's kind of a like she's not very bright and she mm-hmm. just gets played for like a sap totally by like this guy named peace who you know he just wants that gauntlet for whatever reason i did think it was cool though like the first time that they that ghost and hellboy encounter each other and she's trying to they're trying to fight each other he jumps through her to break through that wall but his gauntlet through her so then later when she's kind of like oh like what are you gonna do to me and he hits her with it and she's like oh i felt that like i'm with you too i dug that like that little detail of like the gauntlet is definitely of another world so it's like you're gonna get it right hand of doom is something important i think i think like for me like in reading the story the real i think how to put this but like the real shine i think on like mignola's intelligence in the story is he really does make it work in the end with the bad guy where if you look at it if you understand the way the story works, or at least this is how I'm p- p- picking it up as, is it seems like this mat, this um, the people who use this mask have this like carousel of sorts where like the laughing mat is that creature. And then like the next person who's kind of put through that whole ritual gets passed back down into something else. And then the next person is the person with the mask. All those souls that are around them, I'm assuming are all people that previously were behind the mask. Like the mask itself, it's just its own sentience whereas the the body that hosts it is its own individual thing that's a great way to i love that i I, it definitely feels that way it's one where like you wish they could have a little more time to like fill that out because that is a cool like it feels like mignola had like a very detailed idea for this this mask 
and he probably pulled it from something maybe possibly in real like mythology or something, but because he's just limited to these two pages, he can't, we don't, it's like, Oh, I don't have time to tell you. <laughs> yeah. I always thought on the cover of the first issue, it looks like a scheme, like a green scheme mask. And I was like, Oh, look, <laughs> you know, and then like, when you look at it inside the issue, like the way it's presented in the issue, it looks more like something like almost like uh like Greek, you know, like it just looks like so simple, but that, that kind of design to it. It reminds me of like when they show like, greek dramas the mask they would wear on stage to perform like exactly. yeah i don't mind this this art that much i know we already touched on that a bit but like <laughs> overall i'm just like oh it's decent to look at especially when you get into the action area areas i was like oh this once we start moving the story it flows really well scott benefiel he's got a very clean art style decent line work the coloring uh Pam, pamela rambo colored preacher that's the only thing I know. Her oh, from. well, I like her colors. I think she's doing yeah. great. And I love preaching. looking at some of the pages in here. I was like, oh, man, I feel like um, especially like there's like some cops or no, not cops. There's some some BPRD people that Hellboy's talking with. And I was just like, I feel like in a way, even though like the art style is not that similar, it reminded me a little bit of like um, Steve Dillon on Preacher because of the way the colors accentuate like the art in this it's, it's very reminiscent. I see that. there, And it's funny because of the BPRD agents in this that you see have like almost leather letterman jackets like <laughs> they don't look like a fit they look like they both got their let like lettered in bprd <laughs> and like it's so funny the design and i love the it's like they're green yeah <laughs> i would say like once we get now that you've you're, you're speaking preacher once we get to the pages where ghost which here's a funny detail that i love i love ghost is carrying hellboy like a baby into this world after she like knocked him out or whatever she's literally holding him in his arms the like for yeah. three panels it's silly almost <laughs> if you like i'm like okay he's knocked out i don't know how else you get him there but the art and the coloring from here through with this i genuinely loved all the panels when they're fighting this giant statue monster i think that stuff's cool as hell to be honest and that makes me think of preacher. Just the the coloring on these pages. And when they fight the, the when they fight that giant like monolithic uh, beast or creature or whatever it is, again she uses that ability of like where she holds his hand or she lets it, she lets herself be captured just so that she can put the creature's hand through a wall and then make it tangible again. It's so cool. And like I think like that aspect of her powers stuck with me throughout the entire story. Where I was like, that's great. I mean, this character could probably work again someday. Maybe get her costume design <laughs> but that's an interesting thing if somebody will revamp it because i i agree with you i think it would behoove someone to maybe bring back with just giving her those simpler powers so yeah maybe just get rid of the guns yeah just get get rid of those guns i think this is amazing this reveal uh that's so funny that uh our masked man piece has this fucking rock and wrestler bod like what a reveal like wow it's like he's a fucking he's like truly like a wwf fucking wrestler it's like woo, hello and he has like a sexy like throwback like his robe the reveal which is really funny that's when he calls her a fool and reveals himself yeah i and i, I was like it's really weird how like when he doesn't have the the mask he's he's back to being like the scrawny doctor who did the 
remember is a guy who did the, the ritual and then once he puts the mask on his, his whole body transforms back into like randy savage <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's so wild. I love it. I think it's very interesting because the main storyline of Hellboy has a character named Grauguck, who's like a little pig man, who's like a, uh, I forget what he is, but then he gets trapped into the form of a pig. And that's like a major, one of the best characters in all of Hellboy's storyline. And he's like a tragic character. It's interesting that in 96, he just sort of threw this pig character into the story. And like I thought there might be something in the back about it, maybe even Yola talking about it, but he doesn't mention it at all. But it's very interesting. It's like he's just tried it out. Or maybe he saw it and he's like, I kind of like that. I'll, I'll use it again in, in the bigger storyline. Yeah, it, it is kind of a weird character because all it does is just laugh. So that's the laughing aspect of the entire story is like, it's just that thing. I don't know. This is definitely not one of the stronger Hellboy stories. And I don't feel like it's aged very well. Like, I feel like a lot of the stuff that is in the the, the Omnibus, the Soccer Omnibus, has really aged greatly over time. I love those books. But, like, again, like this one, I'm like, I can kind of see, like, why I haven't come across these ones for a bunch of years. You know, they're just not great. And, like I said, it just makes you think, like, he's got to have just, like, a whole drawer full of these stories of just, like, chock full of people's, like, Hey man, can you throw in monster and, and X assassin too while you're at it? You know, we need to, we really need to get those guys some more screen time. <laughs> yeah. They'll be like, okay, here, do it. Paycheck. The fans demanded it. The fans demanded it. Yes. That's and always speaking about like, sort of like, again, we're, we're constantly just talking about the faults of this, even though I think some of the art is good. It's very funny how this all wraps up to me. One, the laughing creature has been butchered by hellboy by this axe throwing into him but we i love that we don't see it happen it's just like oh by the way i <laughs> i think that's so funny that we reveal that he pretty much chopped him almost in half through the head put that axe in his head and he's just like but i don't know who that guy is maybe i should have asked him before i stuck that big axe in his head it's so silly you're like okay and then like <laughs> it's the guy in the bathtub oh okay we'll just connect those dots. And I find it wild that they don't end on a good note. Like they, they started off on a bad note. They had to work together. They beat the bad and then they end on a bad note. They don't like go, okay, cool, man. Good luck. I'll see you next time. Next time I'm in Arcadia, I'll, I'll check in. She's like straight up, just like yells at him. He's sort of just his normal begrudging limited words, but she says, that creature wanted your head. Why? Do you know? No. Can you actually say you don't want to know? And he's like, I don't need to know. She calls him, says, you're a coward. <laughs> he proceeds to offer his card to her, which is funny. The Elboy has business cards. And it, she just lets it drop through her hand and then yeah. goes away. And that's it. What the fuck? And you're selling, you're trying to sell me on her, most likely. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And but I just feel like you're sold on a character that like is just not great, you know. I mean, she she definitely comes off as like the weaker of the two. And I mean, it's a Magnolia story. I mean, he would obviously make Hellboy the 
the the main protagonist you know he's yeah the, he's the the number one aspect of it it's just i mean like if you're gonna be like oh i want to go read ghost i just don't think you would want to after this yeah i would I, I mean i have it doesn't make me have any desire to pick up her book as a fan of hellboy it makes me go oh hellboy i still like it and i and like i would hope this would not be your anybody's first foray into either character i think there's still a possibility if you pick this up for hellboy that you'd be like okay like He's kind of interesting, but he doesn't have a lot of that humor and personality, I think, within the story either, mm-hmm. because you are trying to introduce another character into it. And then you're introducing a, myst- a mysterious bad guy that has no other files. I know I've never seen this guy, this mask pop up again. It just doesn't have enough page space to really make the character shine. You don't get you don't get those like humorous moments. I feel like you get in a lot of Hellboy stories. I agree. I agree. It's it's vastly missing his humor, his dry humor. As far as like the artist, though, we were talking about um, Scott Benefield. He was mostly like a 90s artist, but he had a really clean art style. He did more issues of Ghost. And then I'm trying to think he did Cage, like the 90s version of Luke Cage at Marvel. And he might have worked on the Malibu books. And I've stayed away from that stuff. Those never appealed to me. I never got into those either. So I can't speak for them or, or have any opinion. Just never got. Never picked them up. Yeah, so. the only the only one on the only ones I've ever looked for were ones that were signed by Barry Windsor Smith because he created Rune. I have like a Rune number one signed by Barry Windsor Smith. Nice, and I'll keep that. But the other books, you know, they just don't really look great. And I think that's kind of the problem with the '90s a lot. Was that like if you look back at a lot of this stuff, a lot of it like the paper looked weird sometimes. It's just like a really weird paper feel coloring was really off because they're finally getting into computer coloring so sometimes like that stuff didn't work very well and then people are just like we want to make marvel and dc books too man look what those image guys did they they left so we're going to do that too and this didn't work out for a lot of people you know but i'm glad it worked out for magnola because uh, that was awesome you know i'm glad that he to break free and do his own thing and his, that character is huge yeah he's one of those few people that got a character that was very against what was like uh, for lack of a better word hip in the 90s and his character went against like what was popular and it blew up and it's still going. I mean, literally they're having new comic books still release yeah. like, the next several months. So it's like wild. Yeah. I was going to say the last one I read was probably like a year ago, I think about like a haunted house or something. I think that was like maybe like one of the last reviews I wrote for graphic policy when I worked, when I was writing for them. Great. Well, any final thoughts you want to say about um, ghost Hellboy? <laughs> crossover i would say like if you're like a com- if you're a completionist of the character it's definitely worth picking up it's got great art i, I mean it's not bad art really you know i mean like this, i think this guy's art style like it might not be like full of like a lot of pizzazz but i think for like actually the time of these books came out it's not like saddled with a lot of that crosshatch style that you see from like rob liefeld it's not someone trying to like overly overly exaggerate the muscles and all that kind of stuff like he would have gotten with like early jim lee it's pretty clean. The colors are good. In fact, I think for like 90s books, it's, it's colored really well. I agree. It's not the most exciting Hellboy story. And there's just, a, I mean, the, the thing is, I think like, you know, by this time, Wake the Devil's probably coming out. You know, that's a lot better. <laughs> yeah. I just hope that you would be like, oh, Wake the Devil. Huh? Well, who cares? I mean, like, look at this ghost mini. But like, <laughs> he, he doesn't come off that badness. I don't know. I just don't, I, I can't see this being anybody's favorite Hellboy story. No, it's like when you like, it's like if you read like 300 issues of Spider-Man, there's always like that one fill-in issue where it's like, oh, I'll skip that on my reread. Yes. 
there's other there's way better to read yeah that being said though hey listeners if there's anybody out there that this is their absolutely favorite hellboy i just want you to write in and tell me and explain why <laughs> i don't think you no, exist okay. but if this is your favorite book like that's cool man Own yeah it, you know yeah you know because obviously there's something about it that you you can pick up on that i can't that I that I don't get out of the story, but you know, though, like it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that like it, it can still be your favorite. I love Rom Space Night, so like, hey, we all we all have our faults of like what our favorite would be. <laughs> Those are all great thoughts. I want to thank you again just for reading this. I know that like you probably wanted to read one of the the, the bigger stories and highlights. Don't never say never, but I just thought if I could get anybody to talk to you about me honestly about it, this, it would be you. <laughs> well, maybe maybe I'm the kind of person that's really cut out for like mediocre Hellboy stories. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll I'll just categorize you as that, and anytime I read the next ones that are mediocre, I'll bring you back. <laughs> so, is there anything you, based on what we've read, or just what you're currently reading, or something you love that you don't think people have read enough? But is there anything you would suggest to read watcher read watch enjoy you know what i would suggest like the the first thing is i know that in the next couple of months there's gonna be a grendel show on netflix wait what i did not know this why did i not know this you didn't know no yeah they've, they've got hunter rose cast and everything and matt wagner is really excited about it so with that said i'm a huge grendel fan they're they're reprinting everything they had the smaller digest for not digest, but those small omnibus that Dark Horse does are like they're not the regular dimensions of a book. They're like a little bit smaller and they're really annoying to read. They did the whole run of Grendel with that, but now they're making normal sized trade paperbacks. They come out in a couple months, and uh, I would recommend getting those. The whole world of Grendel is absolutely fascinating because it's one of the few books where like you can really kind of see how there's an evolution in what. Everything is in the book. It starts out as like a crime book and it's like it it morphs into something with like vampires and like Grendel worshiped as like a king on earth and all these kind of things. So it's just like a fascinating book. I want to add to that. I think because our friend Justin um, got me into Grendel. He's the one that introduced me to him. And I, I need to do a bunch of rereading now that I know this. But I guess particularly he gave me his copies of the Batman Grendel crossover. And I think those books are fucking awesome. A lot of the stuff I read, I'm just like, oh, it's, it's stuff that's coming back out. So like Blade of the Immortal. It's amazing to read. The movie's okay, but like the actual mangoes itself are just amazing. And then honestly, like this is just a, like my own love. The stuff that Valiant's putting out right now, Shadow Man. Like I love Shadow Man. Read that. Read Yusagi Ojimbo. Well, awesome. I mean, is there anything uh, that you're doing that I, my listeners should know or how to follow you? And if they want to know any, hear other opinions that you share with the world. I'm not writing for any sites right now, but I do a podcast I've been doing for about six years now called Get Valiant where we discuss everything in the Valiant Comics world. I've got a lot of opinions there. So if you like Valiant, check it out. We're on YouTube. We do the show live. The show can be followed at The Get Valiant on Twitter. I'm, I believe I'm Joshua Rathbun on Twitter. Fantastic. And there's one thing I forgot to ask, and I'll have you shared. Why, how did you get the nickname Spidey? I got the nickname Spidey when I was in the ninth grade, and I had long hair, <laughs> like really long hair, but not on my shoulder. I don't like a rocker kid. And some, and like I, and I grew up in a place called Kearns, Utah. So it's like the poor side of town. Okay. And uh, some kid was just like, you look like my friend Spider from LA. I didn't know him. We weren't even friends. Every time he saw me, he, he called me, he called me Spider or Spider-Man. And people that just knew me just kind of were like Spidey. And then people would call my house and be like, is Spidey there? And my parents would be like, what? 
who the hell are you talking about? I love a nickname that just sort of evolved in the, the oddest place. That's great. Because my yeah. my nickname is Hobbit in our group. <laughs> and 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 I don't know if you know how that came about. Matt Whitaker, friend of ours, he called we were in a Spanish class in high school and he started calling me Hobbed, which is J-A-B-E-D, like Hobbed. He was trying to give me a Spanish name. Our friend Tommy heard him call that, heard it wrong called me hobbit and then that just immediately stuck and everybody has called me hobbit since i have wondered that because i know that a, a couple of your um handles on certain things are hobbit 138 i assume the 138 is from the misfits yes that is the misfits because okay. <laughs> i'm a misfits fan of that at least collection too is just my favorite so well once you get past them dancing it's not they're not even worth listening to yeah i'm with you there <laughs> i'm with you there you gotta have that 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 weird charisma of his yeah all right. Well, thank you again, Spidey. I really do appreciate you taking the time out. I know uh, you're a busy man. you got a family to take care of. So I really appreciate you taking the time out to talk to me about a crossover Hellboy storyline. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. I had a blast. Woo! What a great guy um, Spidey is. I hope you all enjoyed that um, discussion um, about Ghost Hellboy. Also, I would love to hear your thoughts about this crossover. Um, we only, you know, in the very short time we discussed it, um, there's probably a lot that people want to say about it if you've read it. So please share your thoughts by emailing us at awcrap, a Hellboy podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on Ghost Hellboy crossover and anything we've ever covered in previous episodes or anything that's going to happen in the future. Please share your thoughts with us because we'd love to discuss your thoughts and share them on the show. And if you could please rate and review us um, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. If you go out of your way to go on Apple Podcasts and give us what we call a boom review, that's B-O-O-M, a five-star review that starts with the word boom, we will read your review right here on the show and give you all the praise and love that you deserve for helping us bring more people to the show. We'd really appreciate that. You can also keep up to date with the podcast and follow us on Instagram at Crap, a Hellboy Podcast. I'm looking forward to Kate being back next week. I hope everything goes as planned and she returns so we can uh, continue with our regular programming. But thank you for enjoying these bonus episodes. I hope you enjoyed them. That's all I can say. But we'll see you next week. Thank you again for listening. And remember, we love you. Hey, do you like comic books? Do you like brothers? Do you like brothers talking about comic books? You do. Okay, then. Listen to this ad. My name's Will Hines. And I'm Kevin Hines. We are brothers as well as comedians. As well as huge fans of comic books. Like the Fantastic Four, which we are talking about a lot right now in our podcast, which is called... Screw it. We're just going to talk about comics. From Campfire Media, available from now until the end of time. <laughs> screw it. Screw it. We're just going to talk about comics. Campfire.